Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So we're speaking on what, uh, how to hear from God and I think it's sort of it's, it's, it's morphing into how to communicate with God. Because it's really, communication is, is two ways. We need to hear from God, and then when we teach marriage preparation, which we're going to do soon again, um, so you can speak to me if you're planning to get married. So um, we usually gather everyone who's interested, and then we pick a date. Um, because otherwise, it, uh, people are overseas or moving around. So um, we're looking at how to hear from God. And one way that we can hear from God is prophecy. Okay, so we're going to speak on prophecy, and I want to title this Understanding Prophecy. Because I don't know about you, prophecy can be very powerful, um, but it also can be very dangerous. I mean, a bazooka is very powerful, but it's, it's very dangerous. And I've seen many a person like, get distracted or sidetracked or lose focus through a prophetic word that is either misinterpreted, misunderstood, or misgiven. Um, and we need to be careful around that. But the word clearly speaks about prophecy. And uh, it speaks that it is there to edify, to comfort, and to build up. But we need to, to, as a church, I believe, step into a bit more of the supernatural. Anyone with me? It's only me. We want to not just live in word, but in power. And that's a verse God spoke to me in January from Corinthians. It says, the kingdom of God is not just word, but power. And that power is really dunamis. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the supernatural. But guess what? It's going to take faith. Amen? Because the supernatural is entered through faith. We need to get into that. And that's the same why we, um, the word says giving or finances is the least use of your faith. Because once we deal with finances in our hearts, then we can move on to, to better things. Once we know that God's going to provide for us irrespective and that we can be part of the family by giving into it, now we can move on to who can I reach for Jesus. Amen. Now that I know that God's going to take care of my needs, what are the needs of others? And that's really growing up. That's maturity. And as Christians, we are called to mature. Amen? All of our potential, all of us, what is our potential? Christ. Not just me, but all of us. Our potential is to live like Christ. Because he said, you can do the same things that I did and greater things. So it's actually more than that. Well, it's the risen Christ. That is our potential. Now, I'm not... I'm not there. <laughs> I'm wanting to get there. I'm moving forward. I'm digging into the Word to get there. But I want to read this from a, a well-known prophet. He says, The aim of prophecy is not to give you a goosebump. The aim of prophecy is to push you into your purpose, to invite you into God's preferred future for you. Can I read that again? The aim of prophecy is not to give you a goosebump. The aim of prophecy is to push you into purpose, God's purpose. To invite you into God's preferred future for you. So that's really what prophecy is. Prophecy is not fortune telling. It's not that it will be. It's an invitation into how your life, your ministry and the kingdom can be. Okay, so that's the first thing. Prophecy doesn't automatically come to pass. Like I've had many prophetic words and some of them have come to pass and some of them haven't. Um, and, and maybe some of them will still. But it's not thus it will be, it's thus it can be. And it's going to take your participation, your faith, your obedience, and to step into that and to lean into the things of God. So the aim of prophecy is not to be accurate in the detail, but to accurately, accurately represent and present the love of God for people. That's again a big one. Listen, the aim of prophecy is not to be accurate in the detail, but to accurately represent and present the love of God for people. Now, there's some prophets well-known on Instagram and many other places who will tell you your telephone number. Like Shane says, I know my telephone number. I don't need you to tell me my telephone number. Amen? <laughs> because he knows some of them personally, and according to his knowledge, they're not born again. So they can be accurate, but if you look at what they teach, it's definitely not the love of God. So whatever we need to do needs to be rooted in the love of God. So 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue this. Love with eagerness. Make it your goal. Yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church, but especially that you may prophesy. So the Amplified says there that it is for the believers and the benefit of 
the church. I think that's so important. That's not for your benefit. If I prophesy, it's not for my benefit. And it's not just for the benefit of an individual, but it's for the benefit of all of us. I mean, how do you grow the church? You grow people. Because people are the church. Amen? It's not a building, it's not a bank account, we just need those things to, to, to operate, but you are the church, we are the church, I'm part of the church. So if I grow, then the church grows, and then that puts a little bit of uh, an invitation on you to grow. Because if you grow, the church grows. So a lot of people will look to me and say, when is the church growing? I'm like, what are you doing about it? And I mean, a lot of you are growing, I know, which is awesome, but there's many opportunities to grow. We had an awesome opportunity on Friday night with the worship team when we were here for a social and a training session. And I shared with them what is my vision for worship, and I asked them who's leading worship. And they didn't think what the answer would be, but I said, I am. Whoever is leading the service is leading worship. I'm not leading a song, because then you won't come back next week. But we need to be sensitive to the Spirit, because it's not about singing songs, it's not about getting through stuff, it's about what does the Spirit want. What is the Spirit leading us to do? So, we need to pursue love with eagerness and desire spiritual gifts. Now, which love? Now, awesome that 1 Corinthians 14 just comes after what? 1 Corinthians 13. That's a supernatural uh, revelation, isn't it? So, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, again from the Amplified, says, And now there remains faith, abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, the confident expectation of eternal salvation and love, the unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I love what the Amplified says here. It says, unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. That's God's kind of love. That's a God pay. As I'm now unselfishly loving others, I'm laying down my life to love on others because God is loving on me. And that grows out of God's love for me, not my love for God. Because 1 John 4 says, we only love because He loved us first. So I'm speaking about prophecy, but I'm, can I give you a secret? We're actually speaking about love this morning. And I was so, so smiling and happy when, I mean, I didn't know what the worship songs would be. You didn't post it this week. And I spoke on the Father, and the next song was... Good, good father. And love was a theme in the song. So I don't know if you picked it up, but I did. And I was blessed by it. So now what remains? Prophecy doesn't remain. And even says that we prophesy in part. We'll look at that. But love remains. Hope remains. Faith, trusting in God and His promises remains. And I love the, the hope there, the confident expectation of eternal salvation. That is true hope. If people ask you for the hope that is in you, they're not asking you why are you not bothered by load shedding. They're asking you, why are you sleeping at night and why are you secure in your eternal state? How do you know where you're going and how can you be sure that you're going to get there? That's the hope that people want. 1 Corinthians 4.1 again from the Passion says, It is good that you are, you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Now I'm asking us, church, are we enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts? Or are we afraid of it? Now depending on what your background is, amen? If you come from a more traditional background, then you're a bit nervous. And if you come from a charismatic background, then you're just like, hey, I wish you woke up a long time ago. Because we like uh, to say we're charismatics with a seatbelt. Amen? And then on ministry night, we take off the seatbelt. Okay, so if you want to see that, come. Because <laughs> we need to grow in that culture. We need to grow in that as, our, um, as who we are. And then we want to bring that into the services. Amen? You know what's interesting? I don't know if there's anyone here who's not born again, but the church service is really for the born-again believer. We do altar calls and we give you the opportunity, but I'm not here to reach the lost in the service. I'm here to equip the saints to reach the lost in the week. And that's really, two, three years ago, I changed that in my mind, and I believe we're seeing much more fruit because of it. We're not seeing more people necessarily in the service, but come to our pre-service meeting like this morning and hear how everyone in that circle basically had a testimony of how they shared Jesus in the week. Including myself. I was proud of myself. <laughs> so I went to home affairs, like, uh, like pastors do, uh, after a, a wedding. And uh, luckily it's, uh, it's, one, it's the only place in my life that I use the tag pastor. Okay, it's the only place. Forgive me. 
But uh, I'm not going to stand in those queues every time I do a wedding. So you walk up and you say, hey, sorry, sir, I'm a pastor. I need to register the wedding. And it's like the Red Sea opens before you. <laughs> now, the thing is, you need to be secure in your identity that God loves you. Because everyone else who's been standing there since 6 this morning is glaring at you. If their eyes could bite you, that would. Okay? I once had this conversation with a guy, and he was like, yeah, 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 stand in your place. And the more I'm trying to explain to him that I'm a servant of the government, and that's why I have a preference here, he did not have it. Amen? He was not in a space to have a conversation about it. So when I went there, I went out, and uh, this guy said to me, um, the, the car guard, he was like, Ach, meneer, hou maar uh, ons haveloses in jou gebekies. And I was like, let's go. Okay, if you tee it up like that, I'm going to get it out the park. So I said, come here, what's your name? And we had a long conversation, and uh, I asked him, are you born again? Or no, I asked him, are you a Christian? He said, yes. Now that's where most people think, okay, my job here is done. That's where it starts. Then you need to ask, how do you know? Or when did you become? And he said, I was born one. I was like, I wanted to hear born again one, not born one. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, my parents are Christian. So now, chances of him being a true Christian, I mean, the probability is just going down the further this conversation is going. And I don't know about you, but people are confused out there. People are very confused. And he said he's going to this church, and interestingly, there's a church right there. And it's Jesus' Lord, universal church. So even that doesn't make sense. Because how can a universalist believe in Jesus as Lord? If you don't know what a universalist is, they believe everyone's just going to be with God for all eternity. So you can see how this guy wasn't sure. But long story short, after a long conversation, he said to me, thank you for talking to me. I really did not expect you to do so. Now, in most days, I don't expect myself to speak to the car God because we're in a rush, we're hurrying, we're on our way somewhere. But that to me was like a bit of a, a cup of cold water. Why do people not expect us to speak to them? And I think that's something I want to change in me, and I'm just putting it out there. Like, if anyone else is keen, let's do a bit of changing and speaking to people. And one way that we can speak to them is if we're confident in the prophetic. If we're confident in our message. If we're well equipped to make sure that when they leave us, they are born again, and that they are refreshed, and that they are spiritual beings who's going to be with God forever. He says there that you have to crave spiritual things and spiritual realities. Verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 14 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So when you're speaking and prof- when you're prophesying, you're not speaking to God. Remember, we're looking at how to communicate with God. So prophecy is really speaking to someone else on God's behalf. Prophecy is hearing from God for someone else and then speaking it out. Okay? Now, if you want to be a good ambassador, if you want to make sure that you reflect and um, echo what God is saying and not bring your own things into it, it needs to be edifying. It needs to be exhortation. And it needs to be bringing comfort. So if any of you have received a prophetic word that doesn't tick those three boxes, delete it right now. Because prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. What does it mean? It says the message that God wants to get to us is firstly the message of Christ. The good news of salvation. You don't need to know your telephone number. Well, I don't need you to know my telephone number. I know my telephone number. Okay, I need people to hear about Christ. I'm not there to give them their telephone number. They know their telephone number. They don't know about Jesus. They go to churches that has the Lord Jesus on its banner, but they don't, they're not born again. They need to hear about Christ. So before you prophesy, sometimes the word of knowledge or prophecy will open the heart to get the message into the heart. And that's really sort of evangelic word of knowledge, evangelic operation of the spiritual gifts. And that's awesome, and I've experienced that. But the purpose of that then is to get the gospel to the person. Amen? Not to be so accurate, but to love. And what is the greatest form of love? For God so loved the world. John 3.16. So firstly, our message is Christ, the good news of salvation. But God further wants to speak to us to encourage people. That is really edification. He wants us to build them up. That is exhortation. And he wants to bring comfort. 
So prophecy really is not someone telling you your sin. Or everything that you've done. Sometimes there might be a word of warning. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But warning, in a way, when it's love, it will bring comfort, it will build up, and it will encourage. It says, He that speaketh unto men, edifying, exhortation, and comfort, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So that's verse 4. But he that prophesies edifies the church. So, I mean, we can speak about praying in tongues on a separate occasion. Today we're speaking about prophecy. And it says so clearly that prophecy is there to edify all of us. To build all of us up. Now that's why I say I believe we need to step into a culture of more of this. Because we're missing out on some building up. If we're not strong in the spiritual gifts. If we're not earnestly desiring it. But then again, because something can be misused, I want to equip you so that we do it proper use. So that we don't cause more damage than, than um, rather not doing it. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another also, even as you also do. So he says that we need to comfort each other. We need to edify, build one another up, just as you are also doing. If you go to life group, that's what we should do. If you come to church, that's what we should do. This is family, comfort, edify one another. I don't come to church for me. Maybe you say it's easy for you to say, but are you growing to a place where you're not coming to church just to receive, but to give? Are you growing to a place where you're coming full, so that when you have the opportunity to hear from God and to speak for someone else, then it's not just for yourself, but it's for someone else. And that's what I'm trusting that my leaders are doing, that they're growing up to a place where I don't come full. I remember the first Sunday after I took over from Shane in this campus, and I arrived at the Dream Team meeting, and I was ready to be stirred up. I was ready to be prayed upon. I was ready to receive. And everyone looked at me, because Shane used to do that. And I was like, oh, I can't arrive here looking to be filled. Now, I'm not saying we are not filled by the Spirit, but the Word says, fan into flame, stir up the gift. So I've realized that I need to arrive stirred up. I need to arrive loved, sure, fully convinced of God's love for me. Because then when I get to the pre-service meeting, I want something to, to give. Now these days I've equipped other people that even if I'm not there, the meeting continues and it's awesome. Amen? Because my job is not just to do everything. My job is not to be the only one who prophesies. Okay? As uh, someone with, I believe, a prophetic gift... The prophetic gift is not just to prophesy, it's to train others to prophesy. You see, that's the word of prophecy. And the mom reacts. Amen? She had full faith that the mom was going to respect that call. Amen? Couldn't have tried his best at the back. Well done. <laughs> ERV says, So encourage each other and help each other grow stronger in faith, just as you are already doing. Now, there's more for us. Now, if you feel a word of God, a word of God from you or in you, or um, let's call it the inner witness. Sometimes we wait for this audible voice, and so, like it doesn't come. But there's an inner witness. There's a knowing. Um, Shane even spoke on it on Tuesday in our team time. This inner witness. Now, one way to test it is: Is this going to encourage someone? Is this going to grow them stronger in faith? And is this going to bring comfort? If not, like. Make double sure. <laughs> or just don't give it. Verse 16 says, Always be full of joy. Never stop praying. Whatever happens, always be thankful. This is how God wants you to live in Christ Jesus. Don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't treat prophecy like something that is not important. That's the ERV from verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Don't treat it as something that is not important. So I'm asking us as a church, are we treating it as something important? We, are we treasuring it? Because if we treasure it, we need to obviously know that it is of, of God, and it's the way God wants it. So back to 1 Corinthians 14, we went on a bit of a roundabout. Verse 5 from the Passion Translation says, I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Now in our circles, maybe tongues is a bit more um, well-known, or a bit more um, comfortable if even. But he says even more that you prophesy. So if everyone can speak in tongues, according to this verse, can everyone prophesy? 
I think it says yes. Now you need to get it through Ephesians 4, the office of a prophet. Now I'm not saying everyone is going to take an appointing as an office of a prophet. But I'm saying we can all prophesy. Because it's the same spirit. It's one gift, and that gift is actually just Christ. Do you think Jesus can prophesy? Who thinks Jesus can prophesy? Okay, where's Jesus living? Ah, you see. So it's not you, it's you hearing from Him. And then just using your mouth to utter His words. And can I give you a secret? Don't add anything to it. Don't add anything to it. Even if it doesn't make sense. Amen? You can say to someone, um, I feel God says to you the word puppies. And you're thinking porridge and oats or whatever. And they've been praying, should I get kittens or dogs? <laughs> now you say, I feel the word puppies and I think God wants to nourish you and give you a good start. And like, if God didn't say that, don't, don't color it in because you don't know other people's prayers. Okay, we need to give what God gives and only that. If God gives you the interpretation, give it, but don't make it up. Because you might mess up the whole thing. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gains, greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Now he's speaking of a public setting. Okay? You're praying in tongues in private, there's great gain to that. It stirs you up, it builds your faith, it refreshes you. There's a lot of things going on. But in public, he says, let's rather prophesy in public. The one who speaks in tongues, unless there is interpretation, so that it builds up the entire church. Again, the word of prophecy is there to build up the entire church, that the church may receive edification being built up. And I believe praying in tongues with um, interpretation is a form of prophecy. Because it's hearing God through someone's tongue, and then interpreting that and giving it out. And we've done it a few times where we stand in a circle, and I would say, let's, uh, um, I'm going to pray in tongues, I'm going to say uh, just a phrase in, in my tongue, and then whoever gets an interpretation, let's write down what you get. And everyone only gets one turn. Now you think, wow, but you can't limit the Holy Spirit like that. No, you can, because it says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So I can put the lines of the rules of engagement down and then we're going to abide by that. And I promise you, every time we've done that, it's like a new psalm or a new song that has been birthed. Because it's just the beauty of things that come together and it's even linking and... ah, We have to get new batteries for our UPS, I think. <laughs> there we go. We, um, we tried to avoid that this morning. By installing a UPS, but now it's not working. Moving on. We need to build up the entire church. 1 Corinthians 14.6 says, Now brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine. So what the apostle there is saying is when we speak, when we speak, what should we speak of? Anyone with me there? When we speak, what should we speak on? What should be coming out of our mouths? So verse 6 says, Now brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you? Except, or if I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by doctrine. Now there's many times in the word where it says, avoid the vain speakers or the babblers, or those who, who hang on to genealogies and old wives' tales and traditions. So this is the opposite of it. It says, if we should avoid that, what should we speak on? And he says here so clearly, by revelation. So revelation really is revealing God's mystery. Revelation is not you coming up with something new. Okay? Revelation is a new um, revealing of what is already there. So when Paul got the revelations of the Old Testament that they all speak of Christ, or most of it, on how it points to Christ... Was it only then starting to speak and point to Christ? No, it was already pointing to Christ since before it was written. Or when it was written, now it was, it was as it was written, like Jesus said. <laughs> now he gets a revelation of what is already there. So you must be careful that your revelation is not something that's not there. And a revelation is nothing new. 
it's just a new way of seeing what is already there. Which is Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery's been revealed. Revelation. So we need to speak of God's mystery, which is Christ in you. Or by knowledge, the knowing and teaching about God. What is God's true nature? If I teach on God's nature, that God is good, that God is love, that God is full of hope, that God does not bring bad things, then I'm doing something that's of worth because I speak by knowledge. Okay? Now by prophecy, inviting you into God's preferred future for you. So if we speak and we speak about revelation, knowledge and prophecy, it is profitable to the church and it builds us up. Or by doctrine or instruction. Now a lot of people think doctrine is not important. It's more the goosebump you get during worship. No, doctrine is important because I don't know about you, but I don't see anything about worship in that verse. We come to church, yes, and we come to, to hear, we come to sing, we come to, to give and to receive. But when we speak and how we engage, it should be revelation, knowledge, prophecy, and doctrine, teaching. Teaching the precepts that develop spiritual maturity. Now, I know sometimes what I share is challenging. I thought I'd get more amens. <laughs> come to ministry school, then, uh, then you'll find out what can be really challenging. But it needs to be. Amen? It needs to be. Why? Because we need to grow up. We need to grow up in the love of God. We need to grow up on the understanding. We need to grow up and able to use the Spirit. Because there's no use for us just to play church. There's enough churches. I mean, we don't need more churches. We need more believers going out into the world and loving on people. And one of the ways is prophecy. But sharing the gospel. I'm here to equip you to do the works of the ministry. I'm not the only one doing the work of the ministry. Because then I'm not doing my work. Like I say again, we don't need more churches, definitely not in Stellenbosch. Maybe in Albania and Belgium and some other places. And that's why we are here, so that we can build you up to gather, to grow, to overflow and to go. And that's why we often say goodbye to people. We've said goodbye to our best. Amen? Our main leader, senior pastor, was leading this church. And we had to say, we'll see you every now and then. Not every Sunday. Why? Because there's a will to reach. There's people to be equipped. There's a, there's a mission field out there. There's people needing Christ. And we need to get to them with revelation about God's mystery. We need to share with them the knowledge and the knowing and the teachings about who God really is. At Etienne's brother's funeral, there were a lot of questions. I mean, I, I'm not even sure that he turned 30 yet. He's got a daughter of a year and a half. Um, and he died instantaneously in a motor car accident. It's terrible. And all his friends were there and his wife and the family. And they were, a lot of them were asking, but why did God do this? And I loved the wife's speech. In the end she said, one thing I know is God didn't do this. And I mean, Shane just took off like a Boeing from there. Because God is not into killing. The strength of sin is. And the strength of, 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 of the law, of sin is the law. So sin brought death in. God is not a sinner. So God's got nothing to do with death. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I came to give you abundant life. So death was never part of God's plan, but Adam and Eve had different plans. They brought death in. Amen? And why did, was his brother killed in a motor car accident? Because he was in a motor car accident. Because someone made a mistake and didn't turn right or whatever and... and, and now if we get to maturity, we can start praying for the driver of the truck. Because he's still alive, but he's living with that condemnation. And one of Etienne's brothers had a lot of questions, and he was angry with God and everything. And then after the service, Shane went back to him and he said, Listen, um, if you have any more questions, I'm... he said, No, you answered everything. I, I know it wasn't God. So that's sharing knowledge. What am I trying to show? It's useful. It brings peace, comforts people, it builds them up. Same with revelation, as long as the revelation of Christ. <laughs> Don't come with other revelations. The book of Revelation opens up and says, this is the revelation of Jesus. Don't make it something else. What did John intend when he wrote it? What did the Holy Spirit intend when he revealed it to John? Jesus. Amen? 
Not so popular this morning. <laughs> if I speak prophetically to you, I remember before COVID, I shared a message from David, Goliath, and uh, the, the bull, uh, the, the, the bear and the lion. And that was a prophetic message. And I remember clearly how I said, there's three things that we will get through. We will get through um, the lion, the scare, the fear of death. We will get through the bear, the economic turndown. And we will get through Goliath, the um, political pressures and oppression of a, a foreign uh, rule. Did we? That was a prophetic message. I didn't say, thus say of the Lord, now I prophesy. But you can find it on SoundCloud and you can listen to it. And I did, and it blessed me. Because it was birthed in my heart and now it gives us a preferred future. And God's preferred future is not that we die in lack. God's preferred future is not that we fear death. God's preferred future is not that we obey and, uh, and, and bow down to every power above us. No, it is that we thrive. It is that we reign in this life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What is God's preferred future for you? That you live as more than an overcomer. That you live greater than what you did yesterday. Amen? Not more saved. A lot of people live to be more saved tomorrow than what I am today. God's preferred future for you is that you understand that when you're born again, you're born again. He says to Nicodemus, how can you not understand these things? You are one of the great teachers of Israel. You know the scriptures. See, it's not to know the Scriptures. Jesus said in John, He said to them, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think there's eternal life. But the Scriptures doesn't have eternal life. The Scriptures points to Me. He says, They are the various things who points to Me or speaks about Me. And I am the one who brings eternal life. So when you read the Bible, what are you looking for? You have to look for Jesus to get to eternal life. Amen? And that's what we need to give people. This friend of mine, this car God, he was reading the Bible. Not a different Bible, the same Bible. But being very confused. Why? Because it's not one single message. Paul says, I, I, I worry about you that you are beguiled like Eve was beguiled by the snake. Away from the simplicity of Christ. So I don't know about you. I want Christ. We can maybe over the bride chat about some other things. But let's talk about Christ. That is what I'm about. Amen. This is what this church is about. We're about Jesus, His message and His mission. That's our doctrine. Because that doctrine develops spiritual maturity. In ministry school, we shared this week that some of the things we share, we don't agree with everything they share. Now, why would you share it with your people? Because we believe that we're maturing our students, that they will be able to discern, to get the good out of what we give, and to see, okay, but I don't agree with that, but I don't need to fall off my horse. I don't need to walk out, because we can disagree and still be in unison. We can still be about Jesus and disagree about as few of the details. Amen. And details, I don't mean details about Christ. Amen. I mean some of the other details we find in the Bible. But the message is Jesus. Romans 12 verse 6 from the Passion says, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts. So if God has given out the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift Excuse me, by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. Now, he's not saying you're going to get more faith and then prophesy. He says, use what you've got. I remember the first time I had to prophesy over someone, I was nervous. Because why? You're putting yourself up to look like an idiot. You're putting yourself up to get it wrong. I think it was four weeks ago, I called Hendrik to stand and I had no idea what I'm going to say to him. But that was faith. Because now I had to Trust God and say, God, listen, your son here is going to look like a complete idiot if you don't speak to me right now. And God always does show up because He never wants to leave us ashamed. Let's use faith to prophesy. Where do we get faith? By hearing the Word of God. That's good. What is the Word of God about? John 3.16, it's about love. So Galatians 5 and verse 6 from the Amplified says, For if we are in Christ, okay, I want to say, for us who are in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. So faith really is not just naming, claiming and proclaiming, it is love. So when I stand in worship and I want to give a word for someone, I said, God... Who do you love on? And then he laughs and he says, everyone. I said, okay, I know that, sorry. 
bad example. God, who do you want to specifically express and make visible your love today in the service? I don't say, who do you have a prophetic word for? So that's the internal conversation. God, who do you want to love on today? And then he would show me a person or an idea or a direction or a picture. And then depending on which way he goes, I said, Lord, who is it for? And what I used to do is I would say, I feel for someone and I know who that is. And you know what happens? Everyone else picks up on it and it's not for you. Because I didn't have the boldness to say it's for this person. And God challenged me on that. And he said, look, you know who it's for. Why don't you tell them? Because it's more valuable if, it's, if you name the person. Now, God doesn't always give me a name or a person or address, color or whatever. But when he does, let's use it. So love really is the spark that ignites God's supernatural power in us. You can write that down. Love is the spark that ignites God's supernatural power in us. Because the word says we can prophesy, and if it is without love, we'll just be making noise. But if it is with them in love, it doesn't need to be so accurate, because it's more just bringing God's heart across. People know whether you love them or not, don't they? So don't, what's that thing? Don't show people how much you know until you show them how much you care. As Christians, we will not be known for how good we know the word. It says people will know that you're my disciples by your love for each other. Not by your accuracy of your prophetic words. So you can share a prophetic word, and if you share it in love, it's going to be, I want to say, more than double as effective. Because it's the love that is effective, not the accuracy. I've shared with people at, uh, on campus, and then I'll say, listen, man, you have issues with your dad and this and that. And he looks at me like, what are you, prophet or something? I said, well, I've got the Holy Spirit, so he's a prophet and he's in me. <laughs> but if they don't see the love, even the accurate prophetic word doesn't do much for them. You know what? When Moses went to Pharaoh, there were supernatural things happening. And what did Pharaoh do? He just brought his magicians. And supernatural things were happening. So just because supernatural things are happening doesn't mean it's from God. How do we know it's from God if it's in love? Because God is love. So you cannot go wrong by starting in love. Amen? Through love. Activated. Expressed. I love that. It needs to be expressed in love. Yeah, I told them their sins because I love them. No. Love them. Let that show. 1 Corinthians 13.1 I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me. How do you love on people? You let God love on you. Every time I do a wedding, that's my message. How do you love on people? How do you love your spouse? Let God love you. Then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. I can give you the Instagram accounts of some annoying distractions that call themselves prophetic and Christian. But it's never love. Verse 2 from the ERV says, I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all secrets and know everything there is to know. I mean, that's massive. And I may have faith so great that I can move mountains. But even with all this, if I don't have love, I am nothing. Who do we celebrate in our Christian community? Who do we look up to? Who's our heroes? Is it the ones who move mountains with their faith? Is it the ones who have understanding of all secrets or knowing of all things? Is it the ones with accurate prophecy? Or are we looking to the ones who love good? Who love well? Are those the ones that we want to learn from? Are those the ones that we want to replicate? Imitate? I believe that's what Jesus said. And that's what Paul said. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So how does it look if we prophesy out of God's love for us? How does it look? What will it sound like? How will we operate? Well, we need to come from the foundation to 1 Corinthians 14, which speaks about prophecy. And now we're going into 1 Corinthians 13 and look at what is love. Because if faith works by love, and prophecy needs to be in faith, which means it needs to be in love then when we go back to love, it gives us the blueprint. Amen? So, from verse 4, the ERV says, Love is patient and kind. 
So if we prophesy, we need to be patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Oh, God's told me you're going to get a million rand, but I'm not going to tell you because I'm jealous. I want it for me. No, love will share what God gives. Amen? Love is not jealous and does not brag about its own importance. Love is not proud. So even the gift of prophecy should not be done in pride or delivered in pride or shared in pride. Verse 5 says, love is not rude. You get some rude prophets. Love is not selfish. So I don't prophesy for my gain. I prophesy so the church can grow. I remember someone phoning us when we were um, manning a call center for another ministry. And they said to my wife, prophesy me. And she felt like a vending machine. The only thing is she didn't have a place to put the five rand in. But that's how people do it. Like send in your gift of any amount. And as long as it is above $100, then we'll prophesy you. You can laugh, but you can go look at uh, some of the television stations and you'll see it's not so far from the truth, unfortunately. Love is not rude, it's not selfish, it cannot be made angry easily. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. You know, let's move on. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. As a prophetic person with prophetic gifts, you sometimes know what's going on in people's lives, even if you don't want to. And you know the chamosh sometimes that's in the cupboards. But love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. So that's not what we're there to, to, to go for. Nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. There's some well-known ministers around the world that are seen as quick to be irritated. They need the perfect green room, the perfect this, the perfect that, otherwise the gift can't flow. While Jesus was among sinners and publicans, he was amongst families and children, and he was flowing freely. I mean, it's all about family. Verse 6 from the Passion says, Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. So when we operate in the spiritual and the supernatural, are we operating and is the people we're serving feeling like they are in a safe place of shelter or are they just trying to cover up because they feel naked and afraid? Love is a safe place of shelter, so when we prophesy, it should create that atmosphere. For it never stops believing the best for others. That's prophecy. God's intended future for you, best future for you, inviting you. No matter what you've done, how you messed up, God has a better future for you. Love brings that forth. Love calls that out. Love casts that picture. Love gives that vision. Amen? Very interesting that um, what we use in, is it Habakkuk or Hosea? How can um, one run without vision? Make it clear, make it plain. It's actually just speaking of the gospel, by the way. It's giving a prophetic picture of Christ to come. And he says, how will you run? How will you operate? How will you minister unless you have a clear picture of God's intended future, which is Jesus, the living sacrifice? Which is Jesus, the one who laid down his life? So even when we prophesy, we need to prophesy people to come closer to the kingdom. We need to prophesy into people's lives so that they come to Christ. Amen? Love never stops loving. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy. You see, that's why I say we can speak about prophecy, but we can speak about something greater. Because it says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8 then says, love never stops loving. Love cannot be defeated. Love never fails. But wherever there are prophecies, they will fail. Let's just pause there for a moment. Some of us have had prophecies that failed. Or that was wrong, or hasn't come to pass, or got us distracted or derailed. The word is clear about it. So you cannot live by prophecy. Prophecy can build up what is already there if it's truth and substance of Christ. Prophecy is not there to replace the Word of God. It is to enhance it, to clear it up, and to give you that invitation. Wherever there are tongues, they will cease. Wherever there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which fades away. Love is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. People will remember how you made them feel more than what you said to them, even if it was 100% accurate. 
verse 9 says, these will all end because this knowledge and these prophecies we have are not complete. You cannot live by prophecy. You need to live by the love of God. But prophecy can amplify the love of God if it's done accurately and in love. And I want to say even in church because that's where we see it's there to build up church. The prophecies we have are incomplete. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, verse 10, the partial will fade away. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What is perfect? Love of Christ. They that have been perfected in the love of Christ come out of fear and live in God's intended futures for them. Verse 12, it is the same with us. Now we see God as if we are looking at a reflection in a mirror, but then in the future we will see Him right before our eyes. Now I know only a part, but at that time I will know fully as God has known me. That's the good news. God knows you fully. We're still getting to know Him fully. The word says, and I think it's Galatians, as you get to know God or rather are known by Him or of Him. So He knows everything about you. That's why prophecy is so powerful. But Prophecy will not do you anything good if it's not rooted and grounded in love. As you are known, so we get to know Him. Verse 13. So these three things continue. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love. So we said that we needed faith to prophesy. But we need love to have Faith, because faith works by love. I must really get a whiteboard or a blackboard and just do the equations, because in my mind it's so clear. Faith works by love, and we need faith to prophesy, so we need love to have faith to prophesy. Now that's why the word says there, the greatest is love. And greatest there is the eldest, or the firstborn. So it's not the biggest, necessarily, it's the starting point. So we need to abide in faith, hope, and love. But what he's saying actually is we need to start with love. Okay, so if you can't prophesy, that's fine. Just make sure that you love. No, make sure that you are loved. Make sure that you are fully convinced of God's love for you. Some of us have good, prophetic gifts, but we are fearful to use it. Now, perfect love does what? Casts out fear. So the more I know that God loves me, the more I'll step out in faith to love on someone else, even through the prophetic, even if I get it wrong or sound ridiculous. I'm not planning or trusting or having faith to get it wrong because I need to grow in that, but I want to hear God clearly before I even speak to others. It's not just a, a hit and run type of shooting here. You need to be sure. You need to be it's in love, and I'm hoping I'm equipping you to do so. The greatest. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Love surpasses them all. So above all else... Let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. If you hear from God, it's going to be in love. If you hear from God for others, let it be in love. If God speaks to you, make sure that you hear love because the Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in your heart. The Holy Spirit has a message that you are adopted that you can call Him Abba, Daddy. The first thing the Holy Spirit is going to tell you is, you belong. Abba. No, I can't call God that. You can Says he, he speaks to your spirit that you can call God Abba. How many people do not know that? They think God is far and wide or high above or Nimanabua. No, He is an internal abiding in your spirit, living on you and living through you. Prophecy works by faith, faith works by love. So, where do we start? Becoming aware of His love for us. We come aware of His love and we let that love flow in and stir up and overflow then into the lives of others. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 31 and 32 says, You can all prophesy one after the other. This way everyone can be taught and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are under the control of the prophets themselves. You can all prophesy. 
Some of you are like, don't look at me. That's an invitation to enjoy what God has for you. It's a gift. And the gift's not for you, it's for others. So we can all drive cars, and we can all put people in our cars and take them somewhere. Is that good? So if we can drive, but we don't, is that good? Not so good. So this says we can all prophesy, but we don't all want to, so other people are going to miss out. So what's the kicker? Do you love them? Do you love them enough to get out of the way and let God work in you and through you? And if it's no, 1 John 4 says, just sit under God's love. So I'm not putting a heavy on you. I'm just saying, there's a barometer. Are you overflowing with God's love? If not, then just enjoy His love until it overflows. But we're not the Dead Sea, are we? We are like Jesus, bringing life. The life-quickening spirit, the life-giving spirit. For verse 33, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Verse 33, God is not the author of confusion, but peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Prophecy should not bring confusion, nor a lack of peace. Love is a safe place of shelter. So when we operate in this gift, it should be done in order, not bringing confusion, and it's a good place to do it in the church. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.